The Old Testament lesson appointed for this 12th Sunday after Pentecost is taken from the book of Joshua, the 24th chapter. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before all the peoples the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to rise as we sing the Alleluia verse and hear the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the sixth chapter. During the past two Sundays, we've been listening to Jesus' discourse from John, chapter six, where he's talking about himself being the bread of life. And today, we conclude that discourse with these words. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. And when many of the disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with Jesus. So Jesus said to the twelve, you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you, you are the Holy One of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message is Ephesians chapter 5 verses 3 through 20. We're picking up from where we left off last Sunday. And so we begin with verse 3 and you can follow along the The scripture is printed in your bulletin for you. Paul writes, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfaithful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, dear children of light. By now you know that we've been addressing the question, who am I? Or who are we? And today St. Paul addresses that question yet once again. In this scripture reading that I just read to you, St. Paul refers to us as children of light. Now, that's quite an odd expression in many ways. Children of light, what does that mean? Well, the expression is actually a Hebrew poetic term for intimate vital connection with something. So in other words, we have an intimate bond with light. And not just any light but we have an intimate connection with the light of the world, who is Jesus Christ. That's what makes us children light. It's a remarkable statement that Paul makes, considering who we used to be. Notice I use past tense, who we used to be, prior to our conversion, prior to our, good catching, prior to our spiritual rebirth. You see, we used to be in darkness, Verse 8 says, for at one time you were darkness. 
Now, darkness is an image that is used throughout the scriptures to describe the spiritual condition of an unconverted people. All of us are conceived and born in darkness, spiritual darkness, original sin, we call it. It's the same thing that Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, when he says, we were once dead in our trespasses and sin. When you're dead, there's darkness. Right? Right. And we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so, we all were conceived and born in spiritual darkness, and as a result, we produce deeds of darkness. And Paul lists just a few of these in our text for today when he says these deeds of darkness are like sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, crude and foolish talk, covetousness, which is a form of idolatry. And Paul says that those who continue to live in darkness have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. In fact, he says in verse 6 that the wrath of God comes upon sons of disobedience. Those are pretty harsh words. But they're true words. Because God speaks them through the, prophet, or through the Apostle Paul. Now, it's not enough that some people just live in spiritual darkness. That's bad enough. But many people who live in spiritual darkness also try to seduce or lure us, who are children of light, back into the darkness. There's a spiritual battle that is going on day by day by day. In Ephesians chapter 6, which we'll look at two weeks from now, St. Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. So the dark forces of this world, the spiritual forces, Satan and his cohorts, his minions, are ever trying to lure us back into darkness, and they work in a variety of different ways, even working through people of darkness, who are trying to convince us that their way is the way to live life. But we know that it only leads to death. That's why St. Paul cautions in our text, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because these things the wrath of God comes upon sons of, of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners associated with them. So as children of light, we shun darkness. As children of light, we bask in the light. In verse 14 of our text, St. Paul writes, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Those words, if you focus in on them a little bit, take you back, take us back to Christmas. The prophet Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen among you. And then Isaiah also adds these words that we often read on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Yes, this light, the light Jesus Christ shines 
come into this world to shine in our lives, to shine the, the grace and the love of God for humankind. And so these words also take us to Jesus' ministry. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is, is beginning his ministry, and he's in Nazareth, and he, and, he's, and he quotes Isaiah 9, which I just read to you a moment ago. He quotes Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2, and then he adds these words, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, Jesus was saying that the light who was prophesied by Isaiah has now come in the person of me. I am the light of the world. And I'm calling you to repent of your sin, to, to leave the darkness behind and be drawn to the light, be drawn to me, so that you might live in the light of God's love and forgiveness. And that's why later on in, gospel, in John's Gospel, chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will, but will have the light of So these words that Paul speaks of, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you, not only takes us back to Christmas morning where the word incarnate became flesh and became the light of the world, it not only takes us back to Jesus' ministry where everywhere he went he was a light shining, but it also takes us to Easter morning. For as the sun begins to rise in the east, the women who went out to Jesus' tomb found that the tomb was empty. Jesus is resurrected. Our Savior has overcome and conquered the darkness of death. The light shines even in the midst of death because Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. We don't have to wait for Easter to say those words. But you see, we live in the light of Jesus' resurrection. And we who are children of light have hope because of that. Hope even in the midst of death itself. But these words also take us back to our own baptism. Many biblical scholars believe that these words that Paul writes, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you, are words that were spoken or sung as part of a baptismal liturgy that was used in the first century. So the Christians would all gather around, and as around the baptismal font, or they would gather all around person as the person's going into the lake or wherever it was that they were being baptized and they would speak these words because what was happening in baptism that person being baptized was being baptized into Jesus' death his or her sins are being forgiven and they're also being baptized into his resurrection promised everlasting life So that's who we are. By virtue of God's grace and forgiveness, we are children of light. I mean, have you ever been sleeping? And, and you know, it's fairly dark, but you forgot to maybe close the curtains or whatever, the shades or whatever. And all of a sudden, the sun just beats down on you, comes through the window, and it immediately awakens you, startles you. The light breaks through the darkness, and you're awakened. That's what happens in holy baptism, but in a spiritual sense. We come to holy baptism and we are asleep. We're dead. But then the Holy Spirit comes to us in the waters of holy baptism through the word that is spoken, and it's like the light shines in Christ. The light shines in our life and we're, we're alive. We're awakened from our sleep. And we're no longer part 
or a member of the darkness. We are children of light. Oh, and how glorious it is to live in the sunshine day by day. I mean, don't you just enjoy to be able to wake up and see the sun shining? And how true it is for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, to know that we bask in the light of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, day by day. The sunshine of God's love radiates in our lives. The sunshine that radiates from the empty tomb fills our life with joy and hope. We're flooded with this light of Christ day by day. Friends, if you want to be energized in your soul, then get out of the darkness. Quit living in darkness. Repent of your sin, as Jesus says, and come to him, for he is the light of the world. And bask in the light who is Jesus Christ, for in him there is love, there's forgiveness, there's peace, there's joy, there's life, now and forever. And so as children of the light, we shun the darkness. We bask in the light, Jesus Christ. And as children of light, we glow. We glow in the dark as we radiate the light of Christ. In our text, St. Paul doesn't just say that we live in the light, but we are the light. We are light in the Lord, he actually says. Verse 7 and 8. But now you are light in the Lord, and so walk as children of light. As children of light, we are like a phosphorescent light. You know what I mean? That's a big term, isn't it? I had to look it up to see what it means. But phosphorescent, the word, comes from the Greek word phos, which means light. And then it's combined with another Greek word, phorus, which means to bear. And then it's combined with a Latin suffix, ascentum, meaning becoming of or having a tendency towards or with the essence of. And thus, thus, phosphorescence literally means have a tendency to bear light. Having a tendency to bear light. And no doubt over the years you have owned or seen materials that absorb the sunlight or absorb any form of light. Like the glow-in-the-dark toys that we sometimes get for our kids, grandkids like stickers or paint, a wristwatch or a clock that glows in the dark when you turn out the light because it's been soaking in the rays of the light throughout the day. When I was a kid, maybe you had this too because they were sometimes given out in Sunday school, but when I was a kid, I got one of these little praying people sat on a little stand. I set it by my, by my bedside, and it would soak in the light. And then when I turned off the lights, that little guy would be glowing. And remind me that I was to say my prayers before I fell asleep at night. That's what we're like, St. Paul says. As we bask in the light, we soak in the light of Jesus Christ. And as we soak in that light of Jesus Christ, we become illuminated. And we illuminate the areas wherever it is that we go. We are the light. We are the light in the Lord. And being the light of the Lord, being living in being people who live in the light of the Lord, we produce fruit. And that's to be expected, isn't it? I mean, if things live in light, they normally grow. They're usually quite healthy. 
And so St. Paul says that, yes, as we live in the light, as we absorb that light into ourselves, it produces life in us, it produces goodness, which means moral excellence with a generous spirit. It produces in us righteousness, which is moral uprightness, the way that we live our lives. And it produces in us truth, genuineness, and honesty in our dealings with one another. These are the fruits that are produced in us as we live in the light, as we absorb the light of Jesus Christ in our life. And there's many other fruits, but those are the three that Paul talks about in our text. And because we are soaking in the light, St. Paul says that we are to have no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And that kind of takes me back to point one of the sermon. For as children of light, we shun the darkness. As children of light, we want nothing to do with the deeds of the sons of disobedience. We want nothing to do with it. Because it only leads to death. Spiritual death and eternal death. We don't want that. You see, children of light and children or sons of disobedience, they're incompatible. We can't embrace those deeds of darkness and claim that we are children of light. Not possible. We may be able to say it, we might be able to rationalize it, but it's simply not true, as Paul says here. So we're to have no part of the sons of disobedience. But please hear this, that does not mean that we disassociate ourselves from non-Christian people. Not at all. I mean, we live and we work among sons of disobedience. God actually places us in the lives of other people as children of light so that they might see the light of Christ radiating through us into their lives and be drawn to the light Jesus Christ. Let your light so shine before men, Jesus says, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. And so we can and we must have friendships with non-Christian people but without engaging their ungodly behavior or approving of it. Because as we relate to the people who live still in darkness, Jesus, the light of the world, might draw them to himself. Paul says in our text that not only are we to have nothing to do with that, not to become involved in these deeds of darkness, but he says we must also expose these deeds of darkness. The most loving thing that we can do is to call people to repent of their sin. The most loving thing we can do is to expose to them how it is that they are living as sons and daughters of disobedience. And I say this is the most loving thing we can do because otherwise, as we heard, the wrath of God remains upon them. It means that they will not have everlasting life. And so that's why Paul says in our text that we are to expose their lives. And that doesn't mean that we do so with a sense of self-righteousness. Not at all. We approach them with great humility and gentleness. But we do bring them the word of God and say, Thus says the Lord. This is the way the Lord wants you to live. We heard it so clearly in Paul's words today. He was speaking to Christians who were wrestling with these things in the church in Ephesus and the surrounding area. And he says to them, No, there's no sexual immorality among you. Sorry. Oh, there's not to be any covetousness. No, sorry. If you're like that, then you need to repent. He was exposing deeds of darkness. And the same is true for us as well. First, God exposes our own 
sin in our life so that we will continually return to Christ as the light and live in his light and his forgiveness. He also sends us out into our homes, our workplaces, into our schools, expose those deeds of darkness. We do that by shining the light of God's word on those living in darkness. We do it by just simply living our life in a way that is different than those who live in darkness. Instead, as children of light, St. Paul says, and these are from verses 15 through 20 now, instead, as children of light, what do we do? He says in verse 15, look carefully, walk circumspectly, not as unwise, but as wise, as we use the Lord's word to guide us in the way that we would live our life. He says, make the best use of time, because the days are evil. He's not saying, fill your life so much, with so much activity that you're like on a treadmill, running here and there like a chicken with its head cut off. No. But making the best use of your time involves spending time in prayer. It means spending time in worship. Here, spending time reading the, reading the Word of God at home with your family, by yourself. It means going out into the world and living our vocations in a way that we let the light of Christ shine in the places where God places us. It means living each day in the forgiveness of God and extending that forgiveness to others. It means that and many, many other things. That's what it means to make the best use of time. Sometimes there's translations that says, make the most of every opportunity, and people then use that as an excuse to rationalize why it is that they should just pack their life with so many activities that they exclude God from those activities. But that's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying, take time to be with the Lord. Just simply bask in the light. I mean, how good does it feel to just go down to the beach, say at Lake Michigan or something? And let the sun beat down on you. It's revigorating. That's making the most of opportunity, isn't it? He also goes on there to say in verse 17, Do not be foolish. Do not lack good judgment. But understand it is give serious thought to what the will of the Lord is. So that you can really get hold of his will. I mean, what is his will? The way you know his will is to study his word. And the more you study his word, the more grounded you are in doing his will. And he says, do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery. But if you are going to get drunk on anything, get drunk on the Holy Spirit. It's a play on words there that Paul uses. But yes, if you're going to get filled with anything, if you're going to get drunk on anything, get drunk on the Holy Spirit. In other words, drink in the word of God. Drink in forgiveness of God. Drink in the love of God. Drink in the peace of God. Drink in the joy of God that you all have through Jesus Christ because you're children of light. And address one another. How? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. Giving thanks always, in every circumstance, and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a very easy way for us to live our life, isn't it? To shine, shine Jesus in our life. To sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. To make melody to the Lord in our heart. 
in all circumstances. Because we know that in all circumstances, our loving Lord, the light of the world, ever shines upon us. And so, yes, we can sing. I mean, we even sing hymns and songs and spiritual songs, don't we, at funerals? And why? We sing these hymns because they fill our hearts with joy, hope, even in the midst of our grief. These hymns and songs often take us up to the throne of God. And we see our loved ones there. So give thanks to God in everything. Who am I? Well, by now you should know. You are children of light. Who are we? We are children of light. In Christ, who is the light of the world, we are light. Oh, friends, let the light of Jesus Christ shine through you into this dark world. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all your understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.